Welcome back to Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Tonight is just Rhiannon and I, Caleb. Adam is uh, unable to be with us, unfortunately, but we will we will carry on bravely without him. Rhiannon, are you doing well? It looks like you have some pretzels. Is that what you're, you're munching I on? Have... Sorry, it was my last yeah. bite of dinner. I made a pizza with a tortilla shell. Oh, uh, in my air fryer my air fryer like these tortilla shells fit perfectly in the bucket to make a little bowl and i make it a little pizza and it's kind of the perfect dinner yeah i have made many a tortilla pizza in my life uh for kids when they yeah. want pizza for lunch and there's no pizza in the house the tortilla pizza is a is a great go-to yeah yeah and since i don't live in new york anymore it doesn't feel like blasphemy or anything it's just you know pizza well, and i would think the air fryer is good for tech because microwaved it's just kind of like, it's like sloppy, you know, like that's limp, like tortilla, and then the sauce is slipping off it, and it's not, it's gross. No, yeah, the air fryer is great, and and the little bowl with the tortilla shell being a little bit too big, because the air fryer actually blows the toppings around and can make a big mess. So I seem to have found the perfect little situation here for my air fryer. But uh, otherwise, I am exhausted. I just got back from well, that's right, New, New York, York Comic Con. Yeah. So, you know, we can start there. How was New York? Did you enjoy the con? Was it weird? You know, it was weirdly not weird. The thing about having, it felt like that first post-pandemic con. You know, none of the networks were there because they didn't have anything to promote because they hadn't filmed anything and they hadn't planned to promote anything. You know, like when it comes to that, it felt that same level of weird. I sort of planned ahead and only bought tickets for two of the four days. I didn't end up with that program. I mean, the problem with not having, for me, when I go to cons, panels are where you go to rest your feet. Like, (laughs) you know, you could walk the exhibit hall floor all day. You could go and walk Artist Alley all day. But when you're tired of being around super crowds, you go and you sit in a panel for a couple of hours and, you know, rest your feet, sit in a panel. If you're going to a con, just go to a panel, even if you're not interested. You might find something that you never knew. but um well and particularly but, at new york because when you go to like an msg panel particularly you got to oh, walk all the way anymore. over they don't do that at all anymore no they don't use they opened up a new expansion in javits yeah. so they don't have anything at msg any it's all in the javits center oh because the nice thing about msg was it was a little separate yeah and those chairs are a little more it's not like the ballroom chairs you know it was like legit concert yeah. chairs so that was really great for if you sit down and I would watch two or three panels just because I don't want to give up my seat and because I was comfortable and, you know, all that stuff. And they had decent food and yeah. No, everything's in Javits now. Oh. And they clear the room after both of the big rooms. So you can't just sit in the big panels. And they're those folding chairs. Like it's not, you know, it's not like MSG. It's not as good. And the problem is you don't have all the people going to MSG. You know, like people would be going to those panels across town and getting lunch outside of the convention center and everything. I think the biggest change is that the food court is now packed because yeah. they haven't added food court area or anything. But um, but one of my favorite things at New York is just sitting on the floor near the food court and watching all the people because there's so many good costumes, so much good cosplay. I didn't see a lot of cosplay trends this year. Like I expected a ton of Barbies, 
And there were Barbies, but there wasn't like, a, it wasn't like Harley Quinn five years ago. Oh my gosh. I saw so many Pickle Ricks one year. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like there's, there's certain things that you expect to see a whole bunch of, yeah. Like I didn't see a ton of Lokis. Like, I feel like one or two years ago, there were tons of Lokis and I thought that, you know, you have a few people with their variant jackets and you definitely had Lokis, but I didn't, you know, I didn't see any major cosplay trends, which I feel like New York, because there's been such a lack of studio presence, it's leaned really hard towards the anime side of everything. So I don't recognize a lot of the cosplay, Um, but the crowds were great. The shopping was great. I bought so much art. I've I've got big blank walls in the new place that I just gave myself permission to buy all kinds of art. And um, so I did. So uh, the shopping was better than I've ever. Well, I've I just not wanted to buy a bunch of stuff at cons. And I did. And instead of going to panels, I killed time hanging out at Joe Casada's booth because it was oddly empty people why didn't you go visit joe casada it's these kids these days they don't remember his, the good old days <laughs> his booth was in a weird place he wasn't an artist alley they had a booth and like in a weird place in the exhibit hall and nobody was there except for like me the casadas and charlie cox so you know that's what y'all get for not hanging out with joe casada <laughs> yeah and people i'm sure have seen at this point i saw cinema blend something up charlie yeah. was running around as bluey yeah and i'm yeah, sure which, most people missed him completely because of that i'm shocked at how few pictures that i thought like once it was revealed that he was bluey you know like people would be like oh my god i have a picture of him have, there's like five pictures out there of it yeah he was this blue, evidently at a con in august he said i'm gonna dress up as bluey and go to a con there you go so. while we're talking about daredevil uh i think the <laughs> biggest news thing we have there was a big thing in the trades. Daredevil was Daredevil has been scrapped and restarted, kind of. They're going to keep some things. I don't know. It. I feel like it is easy to overblow what was said, but I don't know. What was your takeaway, Rhiannon, and as someone I feel like who probably parsed things greatly? So over on the Save Daredevil side, we did a podcast on the like the day it broke that's live now so if anybody needs like in-depth thoughts on it but and i did not talk to anybody at that booth about it so i did not talk to charlie about it i did not talk to the casadas about it oh, i like that's um, strange Rian, and i would have definitely talked to i would ask charlie you know like but yeah it was the weirdest celebrity encounter ever it was like just you know, hanging out with bluey this was particularly complex for me because i actually really like corman and ord's previous work I was really excited about them doing Daredevil. I thought they were going to do really well with the ask that they were given. And my my expectation is that they probably were doing exactly what they were told. And the product that they created was probably exactly what they were told to create. But we know at this point that the problem with television is Marvel Studios and their management of it and what they are asking to be created, how they're managing all of that. I think this goes back to the writer strike and having to move towards showrunners. I mean, I've been saying it since the very beginning of these TV shows that going with a lead writer instead of a showrunner, putting this in the hands of directors, doing this like movies creates bad TV. And what we have seen has been bad TV. Like maybe good stories, maybe good moments, maybe good bits with characters, 
there has definitely been good stuff within, but on the whole, they have not figured out how to do television because they haven't been doing television. So if this change is that Marvel Studios is going to move towards television and giving us, you know, good independent stories, they're part of a larger arc that are fulfilling and enjoyable and lets you sit with the characters. The reason I love television more than movies is sitting with the characters, getting that depth, getting the richness of the universe. If the result of this is that they're moving more towards that, then I am all for it. The exciting pieces of this detail is that they aren't saying there's going to be less episodes. That article says two seasons, which we've been hearing a lot of rumors that it's going to be two nine episode seasons instead of one 18 episode season. So like, that's no big change. You know, I was kind of shocked. I've kind of been expecting coming out of these strikes and with all the changes in schedule that they would cut down on the episode order and it would turn into 12 episodes instead of 18 or something like that. But it seems like they really are sticking with 18 episodes. Well, and there's, there's, I don't know how it works out. There's new configurations now about how big of a writer's room they have to have based on how Mm -hmm. many episodes it is. So it may be that they're re-tinkering all of that to sort of make this fit the new contract now that they've got in place. I do caution people. Like there were so many people. I ran into one person at the con that was just like, Oh, well, I'm glad they're doing none of that. And there is nothing in that article saying that they are not going to do that. They're scrapping the whole thing or that they're not going to do what's been filmed. There are a lot of, there are a lot more spoilers out there very openly this week than there were three weeks ago. So I caution people that like some of that stuff might still happen. Yeah. Maybe it won't. Maybe it will. Um, maybe now's the time to proclaim what you really want to see and what you don't, especially Foggy Nelson, Karen Page, that stuff. But I um I know I did see Jeff Cantor. We did our normal party and Jeff Cantor, who plays Ellison, he was very excited about the news. He hopes that it means that he gets to be in the series now. Um <laughs> they'll, they'll rethink that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think all of those side actors are like really excited about their chances now. But I, I, I think it's good news for Marvel television altogether. I hope it goes well. I hope they really are bringing in television executives to run television like television. And that they can still keep it interlocking with the movies and interconnected the way they wanted to. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, just to hit some of those big points. And I feel like these are all victories for things you've been saying for two years now, Rhiannon, like they're going to have showrunners. The showrunners now have to put together like a show Bible, which is something a lot of TV people do, but they didn't do at Marvel. Um, And like a little more pre-concept of the thing, a lot more writing ahead and less and less fixing it in post. I think they found that the fix it and post thing works better for movies than it does for TV shows, which is, it doesn't surprise me because I, I just think test screenings are a totally different thing probably for TV than it is movies because you can't test screen the whole season, you know, and they're going to bring in straight up TV execs instead of just using their movie producer crews to take over a TV show, you know, like they have been doing. Uh, and the other thing I heard was more serialization they're more interested in shows that'll go two three four seasons instead of just limited series where it's six episodes and out which 
I think we were maybe at already. I mean, there was rumors about She-Hulk 2 as a probability that uh, Miss Marvel 2 was a probability. Like, I've heard those things other places. We haven't heard it for sure yet, but I know there was some talk about it. I think there's interest in a Moon Knight 2 based on, you know, Oscar Isaacs and his availability. All of that just, to me, felt like validation of the things that you've been saying for a long time but but yeah i mean but i also like some of this is mandated by the writer's strike like one of the big results of the writer's strike is that like the lead writer is the showrunner or you know something like that i haven't like looked into what the details are but for a show like daredevil of that length and everything they have to have a showrunner and the showrunner produces the consistency i cannot believe they didn't have show bibles how do you not have a show by well well i guess with six episodes you can sort of putz your way through but you need a show bible to have that depth and richness to have these side characters that pop in here and there that have meaning to to have that consistency um and i guess they learned like from she-hulk from gal's uh work on she-hulk that like having the writer there in post was valuable like duh it makes sense to me though that from for movie people they wouldn't realize it you know what i'm saying like yeah but we're not talking about like kevin smith decides to make a tv show we're talking about a billion dollar studio going into this like oh they wouldn't realize it like did they not and they're hiring tv experts to make these shows and clearly not listening to them or something i don't know it just it did strike me that jeff Loeb is smiling somewhere Uh uh-huh because he's probably saying like you know what may everybody likes to talk about how great kevin feige was and how terrible i was and maybe i shouldn't be such a racist jerk but at least i understood allegedly um at least at least i understood I understood how to put together a TV show and they just threw me aside and they didn't realize that people like me who make TV shows actually had something to offer Disney and the Marvel brand. Yes. One of the things that did feel really contradictory though, it's really weird. They kept talking about, we're going to make it more like a TV show. We're going to be more TV execs. We're going to do things the way TV shows do things. But then they said the problem was it was too much like a procedural TV show. And there wasn't enough action. So I felt like that was like really oddly, like it sounded like we made it too much like LA law or, you know, law and order instead of like a daredevil show. But yeah. It seems to me like making it more TV showish would make it more like a procedural. That seemed a little contradictory, but. Yeah. And that's where, that's where sort of my coming on. They probably made the exact show they were asked to make. They, I mean, I like the sound of everything. That's where, like, I, I don't care when he puts on the suit. He didn't put on the suit until the end of the first season. Like, you guys know I'm the last person Agreed to care. Agree to disagree. <laughs> I know. I know. You guys know that I am the last person to care about when he puts on that suit. Like, have him run a... My first thought when they were like, he doesn't put on the suit for the first four episodes. I'm like, is he naked? Like, no, <laughs> okay you know they're like he's not daredeviling and i'm like does that mean we he finally gets coffee like you know a lot of the rumors have been that he's in a relationship and stuff and um there's one scooper that has been like kind of freely uh, you know saying a lot of stuff 
that has a reputation for being somewhat reputable that said that the first four episodes, not getting into the suit for the first four episodes, made sense when they were going to do all 18 episodes as one continuous season. But when it cut down to two nine-episode seasons, that meant you went half the season without seeing him in the suit. And then Marvel thought it was too much. Yeah. So there again, it was kind of, it was okay until it wasn't. Well, what I thought was really interesting is there were rumors early on like there were people and I didn't I didn't know what to believe because it was kind of people trashing it like, oh, it's going to suck because it's going to be just goofy like She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to wonder if it wasn't that it was going to be goofy like She-Hulk, but that it was going to be like a case of the week like She-Hulk and continue that sort of legal drama sort of thing. And if maybe that was the commonality with She-Hulk that that was, you know, causing those rumors to kind of flower in that direction you know yeah but i feel like it could still be case of the week and still be interesting and one of i mean the original series didn't have a whole lot of lawyer time like let's do have a little bit of focus on him being a lawyer and have a have that have a little bit of value so i'm not i wouldn't be upset with case of the week i I have forced myself to be excited about whatever they're making. So I was excited about what they were making before. I'm hoping it's only going to get better. Man, the spoilers. I just can't avoid the spoilers. But I hope that it's nothing but good things. One, if this means that it's going to take longer to happen. And if it's going to do all that, I just hope in the end it means it's a better show. Yeah. And unfortunately, the reality is they can't be filming right now anyway. And so... If it takes, you know, it. Unfor- I mean, this sounds terrible. The writer's strike could be months more. I mean, I was shocked. I know somebody who works kind of in entertainment. I was talking to them recently and they were saying based on just having to prepare themselves, they're like, I just have steeled myself to the fact I might not work until 2024. Like, yeah, I hope it's not that. But, you know, since we last podcast, the screen actors all like, walked off the you know or the 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 negotiations between the screen actors and the studios broke off last week and they're both saying it's the other one's fault and all that kind of stuff but it was a little surprising to me like they were meeting every other day for two or three weeks and then all of a sudden boom it was done they're not talking anymore so um they had time to find new writers and to get something fixed worked on i think yeah, they do. They have plenty of time to really hash this out. It's not like they're going to be making the plane as they're flying it. So I hope that works out in their favor. Um, I saw somewhere, like, even if they resolve the strike right now, it would take like a month to boot everything up and get going. And then you're in the holidays. And like, that wouldn't make sense. So they probably wouldn't, even if the strike resolved today, they probably wouldn't start filming until the first of the year for most shows. So I imagine AMPTP is doing that math as well and is like, let's hold out another month and see if that scares them and you know works in our favor or something. From a Disney Plus perspective, you know, Iger told us they're going to slow down and everything we're seeing suggests that like we're going to get what if maybe around Christmas and then, you know, Loki will finish out and then echo early next year they're gonna hold agatha until next halloween season so i mean daredevil realistically probably is not 
even if they had it in the can today, they might not put it out until January 2025. So I just hope it's good. The other thing that's kind of interesting to me on all of it is it made me think a little bit about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Because in the last week, Scott Derrickson has talked about, we just got to a, he's like, we got to a point where I wasn't making the same movie. He didn't say it this way, but I wasn't making the same movie Kevin Feige wanted made. And he's like, that's how you make a bad movie. And so he's like, I'm not mad at them. I still have good relationship, but it was clear I needed to get out and let somebody else do it. And he remained an executive producer on that movie. I think this is a little bit the same. The writers that that you love that are gone now are going to stay on as EPs. I don't know if that means they just get their title on it and, you know, that's it, but probably still like, as you said, hopefully it's a better product. If legitimately they were making something that ended up being not what Marvel wanted to make. I'm way happier with them cutting ties, taking the expenses on the chin rewriting it and reshooting some of it than just taking what they have and trying to like just cut it a different way to make it into something that's not because that's really a mess mm-hmm. you know it seems to suggest that this character is important enough to what they want to do with disney plus that they're not you know they're not going to cut any corners they're not going to say well we already filmed four episodes so those episodes are coming forward no matter what you know which a lot of places would do like they'd say no we put too much money in it to not use it so yeah and this is a really expensive decision if they really are just like throwing away those eight episodes that they filmed like that is that would be huge just down the drain i don't think it will be all down the drain but well and it's interesting because like we got the sense that from everything they've said publicly that Charlie and Vincent both kind of liked some of the stuff they were doing before. So, you know, as, as we've talked before, if Vincent D'Onofrio thinks what they were doing was good, it's hard to believe it totally sucked. And so uh, hopefully they'll keep the good bits of that, you know? And he even put out on Twitter this week before he canceled his account, you know, that every single creative endeavor he's been involved with has gone through this type of turmoil in some way or another that he doesn't see it as a big deal but yeah i mean they're also their job is to be positive yeah their job is to sell the show that they're working on i you couldn't work on something like this and be like unhappy with it the whole time that would just be miserable i feel like he struggles with the strike rules though like i feel like he's so yeah Yeah. saying things he's not supposed to strike rules are hard oh my gosh they're so hard i went to the david Tennant panel at comic-con and the number of people that were just like in the audience shouting out, Doctor Who, good omens. And just like having to sit there and be like, I support SAG. Um, every yeah. time something like that came up, it was, I, I can't imagine how hard it is for these folks not to be able to talk about projects they've worked on. Because I, I would have, if it was a tenant panel, I'd love to hear him talk about like Ahsoka. He's awesome on that show, you know? Like I'd love to see him talk yeah. about that. But. I mean, his it ended up being a good panel because he had a lot of stuff to talk about and he was just a talker. But I heard that something like the Chris Evans panel was really bad. So I hear I wasn't there. But I'm hoping first of the year this will all be ironed out. They'll be filming the series. It'll be rewritten to take place in winter and they will film the crop through the winter. And even if we have to wait until 2025, I hope it's really good. Let's talk about Loki. So yeah. 
episode two um i feel like it is uh it's being very loki you know like him and mobius sitting around eating a piece of pie talking about philosophy it's kind of like them sitting around eating a salad talking about philosophy it's it's the best and worst part of this show i really like it the first time through and it makes it a bored rewatch i feel like (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i feel like this one though loki got to be loki i don't remember how much in season one he got to be loki i remember i was getting frustrated that like we didn't get loki being loki much so i really kind of right like they put the collar on him and don't let him do any magic and then yeah reduce his head all over again yeah, so I really enjoyed when they were chasing Brad and he got to just be mischievous, magic-y, ridiculous Loki. Fell asleep as he got to be angsty, incestu- narcissistic, in love with himself Loki. Uh, but I went back and rewatched, and that was fine. I, I feel like they are really wedging in the Sylvie storyline. You're really working hard to make her relevant to bring her in. But um, so far, it's okay. I was struggling a little bit. The The lack of consistency of understanding the rules is starting to hit stakes. Because yeah. it's like... Yeah. Like, I don't totally understand what the loom thing is. And they're like, oh, we have to have Kang's aura in order to fix the loom. And I'm like, but what is the loom doing exactly? And like, how does that fit? And what does that even matter now that like they could just go in and blow? One, suddenly you care that you're destroying lives. Like you didn't realize when you were pruning Thailand's before that you were, that those were lives. Every time they're sitting there going, but those are lives. I'm like, yes, you knew that. Like, how how did you zap people into non-existence and not know that they had lives? Like, well, and the way they flip things. Well, last season, the TVA is like, who cares? And Loki's like, yeah, we should care about them. And then now he's met the the that one, and they're like, oh, we should care about him. And Loki's like, oh, but maybe it's best, you know? Like, I don't know. Yeah, it, it seems to just kind of teeter totter a little bit philosophically for me. So. But then suddenly mid-episode, they can just go in and blow up timelines? Like, how? What? Why? If, if they could do that, why did they ever bother pruning? Well, like, what? No, I took that they were pruning. They're just pruning again. They're using the same charges they used last season. Okay. But what's a little confusing to me is last season, it's like, once the one who remains dies, there's going to be so many billions of alternate timelines. We'll never stop them all, right? Uh-huh. And then this one was like, nope, two dozen guys with a couple of hundred bombs. They'll clear out all the, like, it seemed like they stopped the unstoppable cascading of timelines very, very quickly. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Like they jumped in and they're suddenly able to do all of that. And like, does the loom even matter anymore? Like, it seems like they solved Obi's problem because you don't have all those branching timelines. So I, yeah, I, I like, okay fine just create some sort of conflict that we're going to work through give me loki being loki like give me more him going to the timeline dressing in period costume being snarky in a fight where there's three lokis and shadow puppets give me less having to figure out 
Camilla screaming, those are people on the timeline and changing the rules around. Do you you think we're going to get a lot of Kang? Do you think we're going to get Kang's aura? Um, Yeah, I mean, part of what I was just thinking was like, it almost felt like this conflict with the uh, woman with the ridiculously Scottish accent was like a um, side, side story they needed for an extra episode to make it fit six. Like they had a four or five episode arc with Kang. And so it was like, oh, let's bring in the Scottish lady for this one episode and prune all these timelines just to fill up, you know, an hour. I don't know. I I do think that eventually, I think it's far more interesting. The idea of the TVA under siege, like Kang is coming and there's nothing we can do to stop him and making him like, really like this formidable entity that's going to like come in and and prune people and that would be more interesting and simple to me than oh no the loom is breaking because of like this i don't know you know yeah let's be afraid of king let's make him the villain i do feel like maybe they're holding back though something with sylvie that and by the way uh, my daughter noticed while i was editing the pod last week i called her sophie about four times but um Sylvie <laughs> I feel like they're trying to hint that she might have like a bigger role in everything than she's had so far but yeah yeah they're definitely hinting that there's something more to so- Sylvie now you got me about to say Sophie Sylvie <laughs> this sort of like I don't know American beauty existentialism thing she's doing right now she's like I just want to flip burgers and enjoy 1980s Oklahoma it is a little unusual that someone who's lived at such exotic times and places. I mean, I guess it would make sense if you've been living in apocalypses to live someplace so comfortable would be okay. But I also am struggling to understand why a Loki would suddenly be excited working at McDonald's other than the corporate tie-in. But Yeah, I thought she was just tired. Yeah. But no, she made a life in Oklahoma. Not. She bought a truck with that mcdonald's money yeah now on the positive side brad excellent little character addition and like the the um sort of cat and mouse game with the interrogation scenes and the way it kind of flipped like who's interrogating who and him and loki and mobius trying to like one-up each other and who's smarter and there was something actually kind of dangerous and frightening and upsetting about them like squishing him into that little box you know like yeah i just thought all that stuff was fun i think that was really well written and it kind of allowed actors to actually act a little more instead of running around on a green screen or whatever yeah that's that's what i mean by like loki being loki they actually gave us like loki as a villain loki as a ambiguous you know you don't know if he's the villain or the good guy or what he's looking after or if he's going to you know that's what you come to loki for so yeah i enjoyed all of that and it's helpful i liked that they mentioned like at one point brad said a week ago you were trying to like you're ripping people's eyeballs out you know like yeah that's helpful because like for us no matter how hard I try to remind myself, you know, Loki went through Avengers and then went through Dark World and then went through Ragnarok 
you know, like he's a character that's had all this progression, but this Loki is legitimately a week away from the events of Avengers. And so like being reminded that he's kind of freshly turned a good leaf is helpful, I think, to making him more interesting and kind of undoing what the last 10 years of the MCU has done, you know, to that character. Yeah. Yeah. The the way he brought it up in this episode made it feel like it was further away. I'd be interested in a little more time hopping than they've done. Some of the fun of this show should be just how far afield they can go in time. Like when you think about everything they've done in the two seasons, it's like Loki in the 1970s, Sylvie in the 1980s. They go yeah. to the 2050 in the future. And it was like the one scene in the church that I guess was like middle ages. And they went to Pompeii for about 10 minutes in one of the episodes. But like, I don't know. We should be popping into ancient Egypt or, you know, fighting in the middle of like, uh, you know, Knights of the Round Table thing or, you know, in the, you know, Genghis Khan like fight seat. Like it would be kind of fun. I feel like maybe for him to pop around some other places, but maybe aesthetically it's just hard for the show they built. Yeah, they have they have the whatever it's called. They can pop them anywhere. Well, I mean, it would be fun too. I mean, we've got Eternals that have been on the planet for 4,000 years and we've got Wenwu from Shang-Chi who's been around for a couple thousand years with the Ten Rings. Like some of those crossovers would be kind of cool, I think, at some point. But Yeah, that would be cool. I did see, I didn't realize it, one of the movie posters on the wall in the like the openings part was one of Kingo's movies <gasps> from the movie posters in his private jet. Oh, cool. I don't know. Any thoughts about where it's going to next? And No, they didn't give me an after credits. So, you know, nothing to think about for next week. Um, I hope they keep it up. I mean, so far, I'm happy with this season. So, yeah. Give me a little less whining about these are people in the timeline because you literally didn't care 10 minutes ago. Keep up. Keep it up. Cheering for Jonathan Major seems the wrong thing to do. But like, <laughs> yeah, I definitely am ready for Kang to, for a very clear and obvious sort of, you know, like a, a driving plot. Like, yeah. I feel like they set up a bunch of things in the first episode and then they sort of pulled on one of the stred strings this week. But like, you know, maybe like having a showrunner that has all the episodes directed in one single direction, you know, and is going to actually culminate in something at the end would be nice. Yes. How are you enjoying the, are you still enjoying the Thursday night? Yeah. Uh, roll up. Yeah, it's good. Cause we're, uh, our oldest two are the two that watch with us and they stay up about that late. Okay. So it's, it's beautiful. It's great. I'm able to watch it. I don't have to worry about social media and stuff getting spoiled. And yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been enjoyable to do it that way. Are you watching them when the night they come out or. Um, I was traveling for the first episode. I tried to watch it Thursday night. I fell asleep. I I'm a pumpkin. Um, <laughs> we are getting older. Like. Staying up after 9.30 is hard. (laughs) I I could be wrong. I may be forgetting it. But I feel like when we first started the pod, we could record at 9 or 10 o'clock at night. And we were all like, okay. 
and now we're like well if we don't get started by eight i'm done you know like, yeah yeah like i don't know this is something after the pandemic like my pumpkin t- i've always been a pumpkin i've always like turned into a pumpkin at a certain time but i feel like after the pandemic i cannot push through it so we'll see we'll see when i'm not traveling because like both weeks when it's been coming out on Thursday, I've been traveling and stuff. But last week I was staying with my friend for Comic-Con and we watched it together and yeah. I pretended I didn't fall asleep and maybe even held conversation about it afterwards. But we'll see this week. Like, I, I I like the concept. I hope it works. I hope they stick with it. It's a good time also for the East Coast, like 9 p.m. Like, those West Coast folks, like 6 p.m. having to, like, watch as soon as they get home from work or something and get spoiled. I mean, but, but to me, you just wait an hour or two. Yeah. What To me, the 12 p.m. Pacific made no sense because nobody wants to watch it that early in yeah. the morning or late at night. Like, yeah. I'd be okay even if they want to drop it at noon, you know, but like giving people the option to watch it during the evening and also to do it not on a Friday night, you know, like with yeah. movies and concerts and going out to dinner, like dropping it so that if i want to watch it thursday night as you know there's a reason why seinfeld and friends and the office and all these great tv shows over the years came out on thursday nights because it's a pretty good night to kind of watch it have something fun and then get through your friday and then hit the weekend you know like for me thursday nights and sunday nights are the nights for movie or for tv shows you know across the board so all right, cool. Well, thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back hopefully next week. We'll talk about Loki 3. Hopefully we'll get Adam uh, to be able to uh, do it. I I do feel like Adam's interest in Loki is... <laughs> Less than zero. Yes. He's like, oh, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll see, but... Yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. We'll be back.